We sing, I'm forgiven because you're forsaken, amazing love. We know that one. Key of C, I think it is. Amazing love, how can it be? You, my king, would die for me. Amazing love, I know it's true. It's my joy to honor you in all I do. I honor you. The verse now. And I'm forgiven because you were forsaken. And I'm accepted. You were condemned. I'm alive and well, your spirit is within me because you died and rose again. All together now. Amazing love, how can it be that you, my king, would die for me? My joy to honor you in all I do. Sing it again now, amazing love. Oh, amazing love, how can it be 
my King would die for me. Amazing love, I know it's true. It's my joy to honor sounds so nice, doesn't it? Why don't we sing another song? We'll pick it up just a little bit. God is good. Key of C. God is good all the time. He put a song of praise in this heart of mine. God is good all the time. Through the darkest night. His light will shine. God is good. God is good all the time. Well, if you're walking through the valley and there's shadows all Put a song of praise in this heart of mine. God is good all the time. Through the darkest night, His light will shine. God is good. God is good all the time. We were sinners. Yeah. 
has made me glad. He has made me glad. Yes, he has made me glad. I will rejoice for he has made me glad. He has made me glad. Yes, he has made me glad. I will rejoice for he has made me glad. And I will enter his gates with thanksgiving in my heart. I will enter his courts with praise. And I will say this is the day that the Lord, oh, I will rejoice for he has made me glad. Will He has made me glad, yes, He has made me glad. I will rejoice, for He has made me glad. He has made me glad, He has made me glad. I will rejoice, for He has made me glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Come on now. For He is worthy to be praised. Oh, magnify the Lord with me, for He is worthy to be praised. Sing it now. Hosanna, blessed be the rock, blessed be the rock of my salvation. Hosanna, Blessed be the rock, blessed be the rock of my salvation. Oh, glory, glory to his name. He lives and reigns forevermore. Oh, glory, glory to his name. He lives and reigns forevermore. Hosanna, oh, blessed be the rock, blessed be the rock of my salvation. Jehovah Jireh is his name, for he provided all my need. Jehovah Jireh is his name. Hosanna, blessed be the rock, oh blessed be the rock of my salvation. Hosanna, blessed be the rock, blessed be the rock of my salvation. Amen. Give him a hand of praise. Hallelujah. Glory to God. We love you, Lord Jesus. Amen. I love to sing praises to my Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. We're going to change order of our service. Just before we do, let's sing a, uh, one more song. Open the eyes of my heart, KFC. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see. 
This morning, man, as you're all aware, Brother Anwar's mother uh, has passed away, and we want to remember our dear brother in prayer at this time, man, going through their time of grief, man, and any others that have lost loved ones recently, man, we certainly want to hold those folks up in prayer. I certainly know what it's like, amen, to lose loved ones on this side, amen, but a loss on this side is a gain for heaven, amen, for those of us that are Christians, we believe that, amen, hallelujah, we also want to remember Sister uh, Cindy in prayer, the deacons told me she fell the other day and got bruised up pretty bad, It's having some pain, so if you'll remember her in prayer, I'm sure she would greatly appreciate that, amen, remember your pastor in prayer, amen, while they're traveling, I think they're on a little family vacation there. Enjoy that time together. Just keep them in your prayers. Amen. And just be praying, amen, that God would get us all together again in the sanctuary. Man, I, I can't wait till we can all gather together and praise like we used to. Amen. Hallelujah. I'd like to ask Brother Ben McCafferty if you'd just come forward and just pray for those needs for us, brother. Let's bow our heads. Dear Heavenly Father, it is a real honor and it's a privilege, Lord, to be able to be here this morning, Father, with our brothers and sisters here. Those that are streaming, Father, those that, Lord, this plague has kept us apart, Father, Lord, we just ask and we want to thank you, Father, for bringing us together this morning, Lord, we just ask to be with those that are streaming father may they feel your presence this morning lord as we worship and as we hear the word the same as what we're feeling here lord we uh these prayer requests that we heard this morning father from our brother jaron lord we just ask that you'll go and be with each situation father lord we uh, especially just ask you to strengthen our pastor his family father as they're taking a little getaway lord that you will Lord, give him strength back. Lord, this has been very hard on him, I know, as well, Father, as he's been having to make a lot of decisions for our church. Lord, we just ask that you'll give him strength back, Father. Renew him, Father. Renew his spirit. Renew his mind. Renew his body, Lord. Lord, the prayer requests that our brother Jaron brought up, Father, the 
whether physical or Sister Cindy, Lord, with falling. We just want to remember her. We want to remember our Sister Sherry as well as she's recouping. Father, Lord, we just ask that you'll be with those situations. Lord, we just ask that you'll continue to be with our Brother Ron Spencer. Lord, we just want to say a special blessing for our Brother Anwar and his family, Father. They're grieving. Lord, we just ask, Lord Jesus, that you will be with them. Lord, be a comfort to them, Father, in this time of sorrow. Lord, as we worship this morning, Lord, we just ask that you will accept it, Father. Help us to get out of our own way, Lord. We ask that you'll be with our brother Aaron as he's speaking this morning, Father. Help us to do our part and pull on the word. And we ask that you'll continue to be with our brother Jaron as he continues to lead us this morning. We ask it all in your name, the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you, Brother Ben. Man, you can have your seats for just a moment. Brother Matt, uh, did you have a special for us today? Man, we're going to have a special from Brother Matt this time. Now you all know this. So sing it along with me. Brother... Uh, Brother Ben sang this song as a congregational here a while back, and it's just kind of been rattling around inside me ever since.
such a beautiful song. Man, thank you, Brother Matt. That was amazing. Hallelujah. Man, we're going to invite the minister to come at this time, Brother Aaron McGarry. We're just going to sing a song as he's making his way forward at this time. Man, change my heart, O oh God. Man, we'll just continue in that mode of worship. Change my heart, O oh microphone he just sung into for 30 minutes I should be able to shake his hands but God bless you why don't we just stand to our feet and uh, change our position just for a moment and I'd like to say it's a blessing to be here a privilege to be here together with you it feels like old times I haven't seen you in a while and I'm filling in while your pastor's away so we've we've all been used to this for the last several years so this shouldn't take us any time to get used to it, and you've already had a little bit of time under the shelter, so it, uh, we can just jump right on into the Word, and uh, my family's happy to be here, and it's good to see each one of you, and uh, I know that the Word um, is beyond anything that we could uh, put in human terms. It does things beyond uh, what we can imagine, uh, but we do get what we expect, and I just think it's wonderful when we can gather together around the Word of the Lord, and it's not anything social. It's not anything carnal. It is the word of the Lord that gathers us together. Luke chapter 14, and I'd like to read verses 16 to 24. 
Luke chapter 14, verse 16. I trust you're all doing well today and you feel good. Uh, It's a little bit cooler under the shelter than I thought it would be, so maybe I'll preach longer than I was expecting. I figured I'd get to the spot where I was just so hot I'd have to quit, so maybe we'll make up for lost time. Uh, Luke chapter 14, verse 16, and it reads, And then he said unto him, A certain man made a great supper and bade many, and sent his servant at supper time to say to them that were bidden, Come, for all things are now ready. And they all with one consent begin to make excuse. The first said unto him, I have bought a piece of ground and I must needs go and see it. And I pray thee, have me excused. It's not a very good excuse, but yet it's just a a reason not to come. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen and I go to prove them. I pray thee, have me excused. And again, I believe Jesus is using... uh, these examples just to perhaps maybe show the shallowness of the excuse to indicate they really just weren't interested in going to the feast. Because uh, who's going to buy land and hadn't seen it? Who's going to buy oxen without having first proved it? And he says, and another said, I have married a wife and therefore I cannot come. And maybe that's a little bit more of a reasonable excuse. But it says, so that, so that servant came and showed his Lord the things, these things. Then the master of the house, being angry, said to his servant, Go out quickly into the streets and lanes of the city and bring in hither the poor and the maimed and the halt and the blind. And the servant of the Lord said, the servant said, Lord, it is done as thou hast commanded, and yet there is room. And the Lord said unto the servant, go out into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in that my house may be filled. That means that my house may fill up to what I desire it to be, what I expected, the settings, the places that I have reserved For I say unto you that none of those men which were bidden shall taste of my supper. So you can see that there was a tremendous consequence to those who did not come. If we could just bow our heads in a word of prayer. Gracious Heavenly Father, we're so happy to be gathered together just to be able to see one another, to have this opportunity, though it may not be within the physical sanctuary. Lord, we believe that yet it is a place of your presence. We appreciate Brother Barry and his desire to see us gather together again and finding a means to do it. And Lord, we pray that you would take control of this part of the service for your glory. May it impart to those that are gathered something that is needful. And Lord, I, I may premeditate in my mind what the subject matter is. There might be a certain feeling that I have in terms of the manner in which it's delivered. But regardless of the manner, Lord, may you be the matter that that is imparted to people's hearts. May there be something, Lord, maybe not just something. May there be many things, Lord, that penetrate past any exterior, past carnal thoughts. And and may our focus be brought back to the word. Because there's so many things that are out there now in the land that are distracting us, that uh, that are vying for our attention, statistics and data. Uh, and phases, but Lord, may there be something that we're drawn to, that we're attracted to, that transcends all those things and and puts us in the frame of mind to remember what it is you're doing in this hour. So we commit ourselves to you now in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. You may be seated.
My, my title today is, This is the Third Pull. And some of you will know just exactly where I'm drawing that phrase from uh, to say this is the third pull. And I'm, I'm looking at it as a subject, not so much trying to tell you that what I'm doing this morning is the third pull, but rather it's a subject and even the statement um, that the angel Lord spoke to Brother Branham. He said, this is the third pull. And I, maybe I should apologize to all of you but my family, but I've been on a very, very unique series. It means I'm pre- I've preached uh, the first several parts in different churches and different venues. I've even preached a few of them from my own bedroom online. And so uh, not just to my family, but uh, to other churches. I preached at Tucson Tabernacle uh, from our own pulpit here. I preached uh, at Life Tabernacle in Winston-Salem from my bedroom. I preached at Sin the Light in Michigan. I did it from my, from my bedroom. And I said that that's a real th- third pool ministry. Uh, when you're doing it from your bedroom, because it's not not just in the kitchen or the living room, but it's in that in that secret place. And uh, so I'm maybe in some ways I'm picking up on uh, uh, an area or continue on a subject that I've been ministering on. Even last weekend, we had the privilege of being at Bethel Tabernacle in Beaufort, uh, South Carolina. So we bring love and greetings to you from Brother Jason Watkins, the pastor there and the many saints there. They passed along their greetings. Uh, Brother Jaron, wherever you may be sitting, Brother Jaron, there you are. Brother Anthony Smith wanted to say hello. And if you like my haircut, he's the one that gave it to me. Uh, he wanted to pass along greetings to Brother Jaron. Now, when we meant, use the term, uh, the, the third pull, I know that most of you are probably already thinking about a number of different things because it's a very, very familiar phrase. And I say this for myself personally because I wouldn't want to put an emphasis that you wouldn't ponder or actually maybe agree with. But personally, I would say it's perhaps the most important aspect of Brother Bram's ministry. When we say the third pull, we associate it with Brother Bram's ministry. And it may be the most significant, most important part of his ministry. And it's easy for the meaning of the third pull to be lost because of repetition. And as an example, if you were to take a phrase and say it over and over and over again after a while, and it doesn't take very long, you once you repeat it enough times, it stops, it stops, to have, it stops having significance. Actually, the vowels and everything just kind of runs together, and the phrase doesn't even mean anything anymore because you've said it so often, the significance is lost, even the distinction and the pronunciation, it all kind of just muddles together. And that can actually happen in a, in a much broader sense and over a longer period of time. If we're always hearing third pull, third pull, third pull, you say it so often it kind of loses its meaning or its significance or its distinction because it's repeated often. And there's also many different interpretations that kind of confuse or convolute the meaning of the third pull and even some dismissive thoughts about the third pull um, that kind of water down the truth of it. Some people, ah, third pull, there's nothing to it, or ah, third pull, that was just something personal to Brother Branham. And maybe some people, oh, the third pull, it's going to come later when Brother Branham has a tent ministry and it's a return of, of the actual person of Brother Branham. He's going to be resurrected and he's going to fly around in an old vintage airplane and he's going to have tents, tent services and there's going to be chairs set up and there's going to be certain ushers and certain things taking place. And those interpretations, those personal anecdotes, and, uh, and even some, as I said, some people just dismissing it as it being nothing, either convolute it or confuse it, make it something it's not, or even water down the truth of it. And then there's even a, a way that we can think about the third pole where we narrow it, uh, take such a narrow look at it that it leads to an ina- inaccurate view of it or some misunderstanding. And that can be attributed to some of the ideas that people often attach to what the third pull is. 
So I'd like to take a little bit of time here in the outset in, uh, to background the origin of the phrase third pull and even some things right here at, the, at this point um, that relate to Brother Bram's ministry, how the third pull relates specifically to Brother Bram's ministry. And so there's different aspects. I'm sure uh, some of you probably may have already thinking about these very things and how broad and all the different areas it touches in, in the message. We know there are five temporary manifestations of the third pole. And one of those temporary manifestations was done twice in creating of squirrels. But Brother Man refers to manifestations of the third pole. And they happen in different settings, in different contexts, different things take place. But there's similarities in each one. And you'll find Brother Branham referring to five temporary manifestations of the third pole. And then Brother Ram talks about how the third pole was symbolized in what we know to be the Branham Peaks. He saw those seven mountain peaks, and he saw that there was one that was higher, then there was more, and then there was another one. And he even saw that those three high peaks were the first, second, and third poles. When we refer to the third pole, it's a, it's a series of different poles, first, second, and third poles. And he mentions them uh, in different places, how it uh, rep- was represented in peaks and it spoke to him, even talking about how he saw that there was a dump just on the other side of the road from those uh, seven peaks. And it was a reminder to him of what would have happened had he not stayed faithful to his commission. There's other places where Brother Branham, and it's really, uh, there's a couple of places right there at the end of 63 where he's really bringing it t- uh, together where he associates the third pull with the squeeze. And we know we hear that phrase often with the squeeze. And it's only something maybe he, I think he mentions one time, uses that phrase. But he talks about a tightening or a, a, a persecution that's going to come. And in that context, he says, watch when the, when the squeeze comes. He talks about when that persecution comes down, when it's tightening, begins to get tight. He says, watch the third pull then. So he's associating it with some sort of tightening, some sort of squeeze. In souls in prison now, he associates the third pull using Jesus' ministry as a type. He associates it with preaching to the eternally lost. And if we only took that sermon as our cue of what the third pull was, we might just conclude that the third pull is only preaching to the eternally lost. Because the way he brings it out in Jesus' ministry, and then even how he says it, could it be now we're preaching to the eternally lost? But in that very sermon, he says it'll be to the, the eternally lost, to the church and the bride. So we know that it's not just uh, to the eternally lost, but that's an aspect of it, but it's also to the bride. And I was studying all that subject uh, in that sermon in particular uh, quite a bit over the last two weeks or so and thought we might just take time to go through it more deeply. But there's something Brother Bram says at the very end of that that's very, very thrilling. He says, what if it's all over? And it's like, wow, my goodness, what if it's all over? That's, that doesn't seem to be a wonderful thought. But Brother Branham says, he said, what if it's all over? This is it. It's finished. And he says, and we're in. He says, and we're in. He says, isn't that wonderful? So souls in prison now has an aspect to it that is very sobering. And it is uh, very striking to think that we're living in a time with, when what's being preached is actually being expressed to people who are eternally lost. But there's another aspect where Brother Bram says it's to the predestinated. It's preached to the predestinated, and that's you who are in. And some of the other terminologies that we associate with the third pull, Brother Bram says, and, uh, and the phrase is used, it will not be a public show. It also cannot be impersonated. 
uh, when Brother Bam's receiving the vision, which we'll get into here in a moment, he says, he's told, don't tell the people, specifically referring to the third pool, or don't try to explain it. Those are specific phrases that Brother Branham uses or that he's told in relation to the third pool. Uh, a few sermons that stand out to me that uh, narrow in on the first, second, and third pull or point these things out, kind of give us some background on what it meant to Brother Branham. He preached in 1959, My New Ministry. And when he does, he's backgrounding the significance of the third pull and some of the manifestations of it. As he begins to uh, go further on in 1962, there's a lot of very significant sermons that are preached. And Brother Branham begins to feel this weight that there's going to be a transition from the church ages, even as he's preached these things, uh, preached the church ages, preaching the statue of a perfect man. And he's talking about how we're, we're coming up to these seals. There's going to be something that's coming. And so he even preaches a sermon called The Present Stage of My Ministry. And that's another one that uh, kind of orients and gives context to these three pulls and the third pull in particular. And then one that which may be the uh, kind of the climax of how this is unfolding is Brother Bram when he preaches, is this the sign of the end, sir, December 30th in the evening of 1962. And he's. Very uh, refers to the third pull several times. He's referring to Revelations chapter 10. He's referring to the thunders. He's referring to a lot of different things in that sermon. And he's using a lot of questions, even as it's often said. I mean, it's used. It's, the title is a question. Is this the sign of the end, sir? Is this it? Is it over? Is this the end? Um, is this going to be the end of my ministry? Am I going to die? And he shares the six dreams and even the seventh vision that he had. As a lot of things he adds in there, and it's referring to the third pull. And he connects the third pull with the coming of the capstone. He connects it with the opening of the seven seals. And he connects it with the power that's going to rapture the church. And those are three sermons that will give you um, some background on the third pull in Brother Bram's ministry, that he can give you some context to it. Now, let's just say, what is the third pull? And I think we can answer it very, very clearly because we have the benefit of a perfect message, a complete message. It's not opened. We don't know what it is. We don't know what it could be. Um, thankfully, Brother Branham preached after those statements were made, and he went further into it. And we could say with absolute assurance that the third pull is the word. That's what the third pull it is, the word. It is the revealing of Jesus Christ. It is connected with the coming of the Lord. It's connected with the seventh seal. It's connected with the opening of the seven seals. That's just uh, maybe several phrases we could use. And maybe the most simple way is to say it is the revealed, perfect, complete word of the Lord. That is the third pull. And if we, and we take it that way and we could just say, just accept it. That's what the third pull is. And we're absolutely accurate in doing that. But there's still dimensions to that. There's an understanding of even what that means. But just to take a statement, just a few statements from anointed ones at the end time. Brother Branham says, and this is July of 1965. And if anyone ever uses or refers to the third pull in a, well, we don't know what it is and what it could be. Uh, they're generally drawing from 1963, where Brother Branham even says in November of 63, at this point, we're not sure uh, what it's going to be or what it is. But then that final manifestation of the third pull takes place in the healing of Sister Mita. And Brother Branham comes to a place where he knows exactly what it is. And so if that statement's used or some of those quotes are used, remember that at the end of Brother Bam's ministry, he's making definitive statements such as this. Third pull, the opening of the word, the mysteries revealed. So the third pull is the opening of the word, the mysteries revealed. And then just a few statements later, he says the third pull was the opening of them seven seals to reveal the hidden truth that's been sealed in the word. Now, he even uses it maybe in a past tense 
And so for him, he's saying the third pull, which his ministry at one time in my new ministry, present stage of my ministry, is this the sign of the end, sir? Brother Bram's looking forward to this great event that will take place. But now at the end of his ministry, with just a few more months left, he's saying the third pull was the open of those seven seals. It's revealed the hidden truth. It's been sealed in the word. And Brother Bram has a peace as to what the third pull is. I'm just going to keep going further in this. And... uh, and it, whether you want to express whether you're tired or whether you're happy or whether you want to go home, just say amen and say it loud. Whether you enjoy it, whether you're uncomfortable, just say amen and say it loud. You're starting to fall asleep. Amen. And, and I'm just, oh, my goodness, this is getting really good. I wasn't even saying anything. And if my hair gets blown around a little bit and I have to adjust it, just humor me. I'm trying to enjoy it while I got it. Now, the first time the terminology of three pulls, uh, with first pull, second pull, three pull, th- a third pull, or the three pulls is introduced, is in the message, Why Are People So Tossed About? And it's January 1st, 1956. It's right at the very beginning of the year, if you didn't know what January the 1st was. But in 1956, right here, Brother Bram is the first time that I found that, brother, that there's even a mention or a reference to three pulls. And he's explaining where he is currently in his life. And it's a very difficult time where he's coming off the field. He's made this decision uh, to not be on the field. And uh, I think even Brother Billy Paul is disagreeing with him. And his wife is saying, but uh, um, God's blessed it. And revival fires are starting everywhere. But there's just something he's looking at. And he's feeling this uh, 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 tug in his heart to do something. And he's actually saying, you know what, in the morning... I'm going to call my old boss and see if I can't get a job again at the power company because the bills have to be paid and money needs to be coming in. And he says this prayer after his wife had gone to bed. He says, Dear Jesus, I don't know what I'm going to do. Here I am right back where I started from again. I guess I made a failure. That's a pretty heavy place to be there at the end of 1955. And his ministry has gone around the world. He's had tremendous miracles. And you think about the revival in St. Louis and the different meetings in Jonesboro. And even the significant things that were taking place in his ministry. And signs and wonders and miracles following. And a great campaign that was spawning other ministries. And other people were picking up where he was uh, inspiring them to go out with healing campaigns. And he feels like, I'm back in Jeffersonville. I don't have anything to show for it. I feel like I'm a failure. And with that in his heart and with this holding on his mind, I think it's important to understand this is the, 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 the frame of mind Brother Branham was in. This was the place he was in the situation he was in. This is what he's thinking when the Lord wants to show him something that's going to be really the climax and the thrust and the real purpose of his ministry. And he says, then the Lord appeared to him in a vision after he has prayed this prayer. And the vision has multiple parts. And there's so many different parts to it or aspects to it that it's, I even think for myself, I always just made it, try to make it real simple and real clean that you have the, uh, a vision, it has three parts, and you have a little baby shoe, and you have fishing, and then you have the tent. Uh, and oftentimes people refer to the tent vision, and the tent vision is a part of a big vision that has several parts to it and different phases that unfold in it. And we're all familiar with phases, and we're getting familiar with phase two. Uh, we're looking forward to phase three, and I can't wait till all the phases are over and it's all phased out, and we never have to hear that Z word again. I don't even want to say it. Just use your imagination. It, 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 it rhymes with broom. But he tells, uh, he tells things with, he tells his vision has multiple parts. And so he tells of this multi-part vision, uh, 
in greater detail than he does when he first tells it at his church in Jeffersonville. And why are people so tossed about? He tells it in Chicago in what is a vision in April of 1956. He tells it in greater detail. And what I've done is I've gone through and I've tried to piece together a narrative to tell this vision. Uh, So we're kind of backgrounding the origin of the phrase third pull. In the first part, Brother Branham is in a meeting with Brother Argenbright, someone who helped in the meetings, helped them overseas. And in this meeting, uh, they are actually take up an, are they, they're dismissing the meeting. And Brother Brown is like, uh, I think he might even use the word upset or he's disappointed because they're dismissing the meeting. And he's like, well, you can't dismiss the meeting yet. There hasn't been an altar call. And one of the brothers says, ah, oh, well, we've already taken up the offering and they're dismissing the meeting. And Brother Brown is very disappointed. And it, it brings to me a, a sense of, this is my personal, i just say, share this personally. When I think about where Brother Branham was, because even in just the few months before that, he's re, in the services, he's referring to Brother Argenbright, helping him in the meetings. And you find that uh, just in the services leading up to this. So it almost brings Brother Branham to a place where he is in his own ministry uh, with his own, those helping him in his campaigns. And he feels this. Uh, he doesn't feel satisfied. Our meetings haven't accomplished what I thought they would. And, and the people are just interested in the offering and they're already dismissing the meeting. And he doesn't, he hasn't felt like he's really brought it to that place of an altar where you meet Christ. And then he says in this state of being disappointed with how the service is ending, he uses the phrase, then he went in farther into the vision. And that's the phrase he used. He went farther into the vision. And now he goes into the next part of this vision. And he finds himself holding a little baby booty, he calls it, or a little baby shoe. And he's trying to lace it. So he's trying to take a string and lace it through the eyelets of this little baby shoe. And he says that the eyelets on the baby shoe were an eighth of an inch, but the string he was using was a half an inch. Now, we don't need to explain that. We don't need a PowerPoint presentation to uh, help us understand that. Trying to take a half inch string and feed it through an eighth inch eyelet, and that won't work. But he's trying to do it. As he does it, there's, the ends are getting frayed. And they're all separating. And they're loose. all these ends are getting loose. And he's getting, I can't remember if he's mentioning maybe a frustration with trying to get it. And then the angel of the Lord speaks to him as he's trying to do this. He says, don't you understand that you can't teach babies? Or he uses the phrase Pentecostal babies. You can't teach babies supernatural things. And here he is taking a baby shoe, trying to lace it with a half inch string. And it's just creating loose ends. And I thought about that in terms of the loose ends uh, that Brother Bram's own ministry ties up and straightens up and connects together so, it, it, uh, so that there's not all these loose ends. But it says you're using, the voice said you're using the wrong end of the string. So there's a proper order. There's a proper way to lace that booty. And he couldn't start with that half inch part. He had to start with the eighth or that, that part that was smaller that would thread right into that eighth inch eyelet. He says you're using the wrong end of the string. So there was a particular order in order to have success. There was a way that he had to go about doing it. You couldn't just take that half inch and try to shove it through the eyelet. There was a way that God unfolded things. Why didn't God just step down in the days of Luther and restore it all right there with one ministry? There was just an order to it. Justification, sanctification. And the last order of the Reformation was the Pentecostal age, which is the Laodicean age, and the outpouring of the baptism of the Holy Ghost and the restoration of the gifts. And that was God's order. And it had to be that way in order to thread things properly in order to not have to to tie up all the loose ends to come to the great climax under the opening of the word 
So as this voice speaks to him, as he's not having success lacing this booty, then he's taken to the next part. So now the vision just unfolds further. And he transitions to where he's standing by a lake uh, surrounded by other fishermen. And he refers to these other fishermen as ministers. And they are trying to catch fish. And what they're trying to do is catch as many fish as they can because they're after the small fish. And they're trying to catch all these small fish. And Brother Branham, being a fisherman, recognizes all these guys are after these small fish. But he looks at this lake and he's thinking, there's got to be some really nice rainbow trout in this lake. They're targeting the panfish. They're targeting the fish that there's a lot of them. Uh, But I want to go for the trophy where there's a limited number. And I'm using uh, my own phrase just to amplify the way Brother Branham describes it so brother Bam thinks about catching rainbow trout why because and it, he, it, rainbow trout whereas everyone else is just wanting to catch small fish he thinks differently about what's in this lake because his ministry is different his ministry isn't going to catch the same fish that all these other fishermen will catch his ministry isn't just to have masses and crowds and pile up a lot of fish his ministry is to catch the trophy and his ministry is to catch the the, the more prized more rare rainbow trout so in his mind, he thinks, oh, I want to target something different than what everyone else is targeting. And he looks around, what are you using? And what are you using? And what are you fishing with? And he's basically saying, I don't want to use anything that you guys are using because I'm after something different. And he says, I pick up a line. And, and it's a way where it transitions where it's like he's picking up that string again. But he picks up the line and now he has a rod in his hand. He has a fishing rod and he's going to fish uh, uh, for this rainbow trout. And so now he's given instructions on how to catch this fish. And the voice of the Lord, he's using it as the Lord speaking to him. He says, when you do now, he casts the lure out. He says, let the lure sink down first. So he lets it, let it sink down first. He's saying, and then he says, pull it slow. So you have to let it sink down and then you're going to pull it slow. And in letting it sink down, it has to get down to the depth where, where the rainbow trout is going to be. And we went fishing this past week with uh, with the, uh, Preston and Jack, and uh, and I tied up a Texas rig on a, a pole for Jack. I said, throw it out there and count to 20, and then just start reeling it as slow as you can. And Jack had me out fished for most of the day. I had to start cheating and catch those smaller fish just to catch up to them. And he caught two on the Texas rig, and I caught three. Um, and doing all sorts of things. And, and he just was doing what he was told. And that's what Brother Brown does here. He said, let the lure sink down and notice the language, pull it slow. He says, when you do now, you'll feel some nibbles at it, but don't tell nobody what you're doing. Keep it to yourself. Now, that's a really good tip. If you're a real fisherman, you don't tell anybody what you catch your fish on. Get any amens from real fishermen? I'm not a real fisherman. I have a little bit more pride. Oh, what did you catch them on? Oh, man, I knew, I knew what to do, and I got a Texas rig, and I put on a pink trick worm, and I rigged it up wacky style, and I was throwing it at rocks on the north side, and the fisherman's sitting there going, yeah, you shouldn't have told me that. I guess a real fisherman would say, yeah, yeah, you know, just trying this, trying that. But he says, don't explain it. When you feel nibbles, don't tell nobody what you're doing. Keep it to yourself. Then when you feel it nibble again, Pull just a little bit, but not too hard. So now he's getting some bites. He feels something, but you, that, that's, that's not what you're after. He says, so pull just a little bit, but not too hard. He says, and when you pull it, then it'll pull it away from the little fish. So you've got these little panfish, these little bluegill or brim. Uh, maybe they might even say here, uh, Brother Wayne would appreciate this, a reference to crappy. And they're maybe just nibbling a little bit on your lure, but then you just pull a little bit and it kind of scares them off and backs them away because he's not targeting the little fish. 
He says, and when they scatter, that'll attract the attention of the big fish and they'll grab it. So again, there's an order to this. There's a method. And, and this, this isn't just the angel of the Lord teaching Brother Branham how to fish. This is, has spiritual application to where he is in his ministry. He's already had big crowds and healing campaigns. A lot of wonderful things happen in his ministry. He feels like a failure. There's things coming up. And now the angel of the Lord is trying to tell him how his ministry is going to operate going forward. Not to catch a lot of fish. Not to have packed out uh, um, churches and not to have packed out uh, cathedrals. But rather to catch the trophy, the real prize, the rainbow trout. He says, you'll track the catch of the big fish and they'll grab it. That's the way you will catch it. Then when they bite on the third time, set your hook for the catch. So there'll be a little nibble. Just go slow. Then there'll be a little nibble again. He says, just kind of pull it again just a little bit. So you pulled it, felt the nibble, felt the, and then you pull it again at that second. Then the third time, you're going to set the hook for the catch. And Brother Branham said, I understand. And the angel of the Lord said, but keep still. Don't tell nobody. Keep still. So these are the instructions that Brother Branham had before he, um, bef- uh, before he begins to fish. And he, he ex- describes it how that as he began to fish, the ministers got all enthused, patting him on the back. Oh, my, this is wonderful. They're all rejoicing. They're getting all excited about what Brother Branham's doing. And he starts explaining it. Now, this is what I'm doing. I'm kind of tugging a little bit here. We're going to scare off the small fish. He's doing exactly what he was told not to do. But he gets excited because of all these ministers. Now, think of his own ministry where he has this great gift and he has these great signs and wonders. They're all patting him on the back. Brother Branham, we'll give you a million dollars. We'll put you on a jet. We'll have you do this. We'll have you do that. We can pack out uh, uh, arenas all around the world. And he gets all excited. All this great gift, this great move of God. And he says when he does that, he gets all enthused. He pulls too hard on that second nibble and when he jerks it out of the water he catches a fish but he describes it as it being skinned over the lure that it was so small it was as if a fish the size of the lure swallowed it and listen there's bluegill out there that are aggressive enough to hit a 12 inch worm Uh, there's bass out there that'll hit a topwater bait as long as they are and uh, Brother Branham is describing how this thing happens, and he catches a fish that's no bigger than his lure, and he gets his line all tangled up, and he backlashes, he has a big bird's nest, and the angel of the Lord said, just what I told you not to do. Brother Branham says, yes, that's right. He said, now, notice this, he says, you see, that first pull was when you used your hands on the people and tell them what was their trouble. The second pull was when you know the secrets of the heart like I told you. Instead of you keeping that to yourself, you tried to explain, uh, explain all about it and tell people. And when you did, this is very striking, you didn't know nothing about it yourself. And how could you explain it? And it, there's so much language I wanted to include through several different quotes where Brother Bram's told, and it comes in this, in the reference where he's using these visions. I know now, and I'm putting, I'm paraphrasing, I know now that the third pull is I'm just going to do what he tells me to do. I'm just going to say what he tells me to say. Instead of trying to explain it, trying to uh, uh, describe it, I'm just going to do what I'm told, stay with the word of God, stay with the message, and do what I'm told. I'm not going to try to explain it. And so he says, how could you explain it when you don't know nothing yourself? He says, you're going to take somebody by the hand. Well, try to explain that. Try to explain how there's going to be certain vibrations, and he begins to get a familiarity with it, and he says, oh, I know what this is. I mean, he couldn't explain that. You just do it. How do you explain knowing the secrets of the heart? Only God knows the secrets of the heart. Don't explain it. Just do it. And, and these would be things that would get people's attention and it would draw crowds to them. 
But that's not what he would set the hook on. He's not setting the hook on that first pull and second pull. So he says, um, and you caused a big bunch of carnal impersonations to rise up, and you see what you've done? And so this is where that, that, uh, this part begins to phase out because then Brother Bram felt himself and uses the phrase, go higher, way up. So now he's going higher, he's going way up. So he went further in the vision, now he's going higher. Because as he progressed, it's higher and higher and higher. It's deeper and deeper and deeper. Now, I want to point this out so you can catch this. The use of the phrase first pull, second pull, and even when we get to third pull was not Brother Branham's language. It wasn't something Brother Branham used to describe taking someone by the hand. It wasn't something Brother Branham used to describe discerning the thoughts. But it was the words of the Lord when he said first pull and second pull. So the language and the phraseology of first pull, second pull, and third pull, it's not Brother Branham's terminology. It's actually the Lord's terminology. So this is something that relates to the Lord and his understanding and how he wants to use Brother Branham. So then he goes higher way up, and there he saw a great tent. And I don't want to belabor the description of this part. He saw a great tent, and then within this cathedral-like tent, he saw a little room in the middle of this tent. There's a lot of different ways that he describes the prayer line, people going through, being healed. He even describes a reporter with bobbed hair on the other side, asking people what happened. They went in sick. They came out well. So what happened? I don't know. All I know, I was sick, but I went in there, and I was healed. So there's a lot of things that are represented in this part of his vision. And then he talks about that pillar of fire that was by him, whirled around and went into that little room. And then the Lord speaks to him, said, I'll meet you in there. And then he says, and this is the third pull, but nobody will know nothing about it. So nobody will know nothing about it. And then he says, it will not be a public show this time. So the taking of the hand, it's done on the platform, though it was done in uh, hotel rooms and done in offices and done individually. Brother Bram would take somebody by the hand and he could tell by the vibrations in his hand the sickness that a person had. And this is visible for people to see to where Brother Bram could say, you see that, you see that on my hand, we could hear these instances on tape. And then the discerning of the thoughts and tints of the heart and that gift was so dynamic, on display, we could hear thousands of instances, of, perhaps on tape, where Brother Bram said, telling people their name and their address and what their experiences were and what their sickness was. And this is all public. This is for everyone to hear and for them to see. That's first pull, second pull. But now, where this pillar of fire whirls away to, he says, this is going to be the third pull. I'll meet you there. And he says, it won't be a public show. No one will know nothing about it. Don't explain it. It's, it don't try to... This is something that is private, that is secret. It won't be a public show this time. So this is where we hear first pull, second pull, third pull. The use of the phrase pull and even the first pull, second pull, and third pull, those are the Lord's words. That's his phrasing. Brother Graham takes it from this vision and he uses it later in his ministry. Now, with that as the background, it's an extremely important to catch the significance behind the meaning of the phrase first pull or second pull, especially third pull. The, the significance behind the use of the phrases first pull, second pull, and third pull. And this is how it was used in the vision. We said, pull it slow, then pull it away. And he's talking about then it'll attract the attention. That'll catch it. Set your hook for the catch. 
Notice what he's referring to when he refers to first pull, second pull, and even the third pull. It is something that attracts attention. It is something that's drawing something. And there's even a, an aspect to where one thing where you're trying to attract a bigger fish, it actually causes smaller fish to go away. But ultimately, what's really going to get that tries, prized trout, or tried if you're in a rush for time and you want to consolidate phrases, is um, you want to get it, you want to do it on the third time, and you're going to catch that prized uh, fish, and it's going to be in that third pool. And so the whole image is drawing something, enticing something, using bait, using a means to get what you're after to come and attract it. And it wasn't the first pool that's going to attract what he was after. It's not the second pool that's going to attract what he's after, but it's the third pool that's going to attract what he's after. So it's a pull, attract attention, catch, set the hook for the catch. And all of this is a secret. So I want you to begin to make this very, very personal for you. Because where we are today, and, and let, me, let me make this statement. Uh, you, might, you might ask yourself, is Brother Aaron completely oblivious to what's going on in the world today? And he's just talking about the third pull and not even wanting to talk about COVID-19. He's not wanting to talk about uh, Donald Trump and his masterful way of uh, guiding America through this great crisis. And he's not talking about which is the best tool to keep track of all the statistics and, and the trajectory. Uh, and let me just say this. There's one thing, if you don't know, the, the chart that shows how many cases of uh, COVID-19 there are, it never goes down. It's always going to go up because they're just adding to it every time they get a positive case. So, uh, so there's things. Uh, what I'm saying today is absolutely within the context of everything we're experiencing right now. It is what the devil is trying to keep, uh, keep us away from. So I just want to preach it in just a simple matter of fact. This is what's important to us. This is what we live for. This is the reason we're even here right now under the shelter. If there wasn't a third pool, there wouldn't be this church here on this plot of land. There wouldn't be a fellowship hall. There wouldn't be a sanctuary and there wouldn't be this shelter. And Nanya would be here right now if it wasn't for the third pool. So to me, this is what really gives context to the time that we're living in now. And so... It, it is a in this attraction or this pull and setting the hook for the catch. He's saying this is the secret. All of this is a secret. The draw to it, the, 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 the enticement, the bait is a secret. So let me let me ask you this. How could any of you ever explain to somebody why you're here? How could you ever really explain to somebody why you're sticking with the message and why you believe it? When, brother, the real thing that got you the open of the word, you can explain it. The only thing we can try to do is utilize the first and second pull to get their attention long enough for them to, to, to be in, uh, baited or caught by the third pull. And if they're never caught, then they just it's not for them. They're not the rainbow trout. Just as Paul said, if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. The Bible says it for us. We don't have to say, well, they don't believe this message because they're lost. We just have to realize that there's truth that is hid to the lost. It's made known to the saved. It's made known to the elect. And, and I, I want to go quickly now, since I'm going at just a snail's pace today, and, uh, and, and try to... I'll just summarize quickly what was taking place here in Luke chapter 16. Because Luke chapter 16, as we have read it, is a good example of what a pool means. And when we look at this and we read it, I would like for you to take into consideration 
all the things that Brother Branham says about the third pool, what it is, and then also what it does, how it's working. And in Luke chapter 14, verse 16, it says, Jesus said unto them, A certain man made a great supper and bade many. To bade many, it means many were invited. So he invited many people. He called to them. And it actually says that those who had been invited or told in one place, come, it's time, it's time. This thing you've been hearing about, this great supper that's going to be had, this great uh, time, it's now time. It says, so he, he made a great supper and he bade, he invited and he called many to come to the supper. And Brother Brandon, when he preaches, is your life worthy of the gospel? This is June of 1963. So this phraseology of first pull, second pull, third pull, its significance in his own ministry, the entering into the third pull has already arrived. And he says, did you notice, reading this very scripture, did you notice there were three pulls or three turns of it? When they went out first and called to them that were or bidden to come, and they didn't do it. So there went out a healing campaign. So here's your second pull or your second turn. A healing campaign went out to get the blind and halt, and still there was room. So he went out and compelled the good, and he's drawing this from Matthew, the good, the bad, and indifferent, that they should come in. So as we read Luke chapter 16 and how he made a supper and bade many come for all things are now ready. And, and then people gave excuse. He says, well, no one came. So he says, go out and bring in the poor, the maimed, or the halt, and the blind. Go out and get them. Brother Bram saying this is the second turn of it. And then he says, uh, we still have room, so go out in the highways and byways and, and, and hedges and compel them to come in that my house may be full. So when Brother Abraham uses this language, there was three pulls or three turns to call them to, that were bidden to come. He's showing us that a pull is a means of getting someone's attention. A pull is a means of inviting somebody, drawing somebody. As it's used in the vision, it's a bait. It's an enticement. Uh, you throw out a lure and it moves a certain way and it attracts the attention and it draws something out of cover, away from structure, or it causes a reaction for them to go after the lure and to be caught into the hooks. So a pull is a means of getting attention or it's a way of drawing people to something. He calls it a turn or a call. The scripture calls it a bidding. There's an invitation. There's a calling that takes place. And the first pull, he says, you know, those that are bidden, come, come. And not everybody shows up. Everybody gives excuse. He says, well, let's do a healing campaign. That'll attract more attention. Let's have them come. But then not everyone comes. And it comes to the third turn of it. And he says, go into the highways and hedges and notice the language now and compel them to come in because that my house may be full. In other words, I have an ordained number of seats at this table and it's going to be this compelling that fills it up to fullness. It's going to be this part, this compelling that puts the people that I've ordained to be at this feast in their places. Not just a general invitation, not just healing lines and great campaigns, but it's going to be this compelling them to come that my house may be full. And the word compel, it means to necessitate or to drive to, whether by force or other means. So when you compel somebody, you don't just say, hey, I got some shark steaks I'm grilling today if you want to come by. No, you would do more than just, hey, you know, we're doing, <coughs> we're doing something later today if you want to come by. But they say the first sign of COVID-19 is a dry cough. I'm not saying it is. 
Is it hot in here? I, I'm getting the chills. <laughs> Compel, whether by force or other means. It's not just something casually mentioned, mentioned but there's something. That, it's grabbing somebody. Go into the highways and the hedges. Compel them. Grab them. And to compel by force. You're going to go eat a good dinner today. You're going to go. You're going to drag them. And it's not, we don't take this in the literal sense that God's just going up there taking people and dragging them to the table. But something grabs you. It's a compelling force. You're drawn to it. Well, why haven't you walked away? If I could sit down with Brother Ben, I could just from a critical standpoint just start walking him through different turns in his life and say, this would have been a great exit point, buddy. (laughs) <laughs> that wasn't this would have been a really great exit point and show him all these exits on this and he might come up with the reason to explain why he didn't do it then and why he didn't do it then and why he didn't do it then and explain why he's on this highway and eventually you know what he would say I don't know something's driving me it's just there it's unexplainable it's an attraction all these other things that have happened that are tragedies and discouragements and things that other people use and have caused others to fall away i really don't know at the end of the day why i've been able to persevere through it all and why i'm still here today i just know it's as if something is compelling me and drawing me to this that's the third pull because you can get healed under the first and second and get sick again But under this third one, that won't fail. I just noticed your shade, Brother Matt. Didn't recognize you. So Brother Brandon, when he's telling, and I'm just using this to background on what it means to have, uh, to be a pull. And I hope this adds to your understanding of the third pull. We could say it's the word, but now it's a pull. The third pull is the open of those seven seals. The third pull is the mysteries revealed. The third pull is revealing Christ. The third pull is associated with the coming of the Lord. And so we we say, well, that's what it is. But now think of it this way. That's what attracts. That's why it's called a pull. He's not just the third instance or my third message or um, the the thing. It's just not referred to it, but it's a pull. It's something that draws. And Brother Branham, when he tells the story of going beyond the curtain of time, and as he senses, uh, as he felt there at the end, and when he realizes this great perfection, he says, he makes this statement, Oh, if I could only go back, if I could only have a chance, I would grab them, I would pull them, I would persuade them. Don't let no one miss this. This is perfection. And I think that's a perfect way to describe the perfect third pull, which it is perfection. And it describes Brother Brandon's ministry very, very well. Oh, if I could grab them, pull them, persuade them. Don't let none of them miss this. This is perfection. That's what a pull means. That's what the third pull means. It's to necessitate, to drive by force, to grab, pull them, to persuade them. Don't let none of them miss this. So the third pull is the open of the word. And if I could say it this way, the open of the word is what draws the bride. The third pull is what pulls the bride. It's what compels the bride to her end time feast. What has been spread out on the table, because Brother Bram says we have a full course meal for all seven seals are open and everything's ready for the word to those who can receive it. And so when he makes this statement as to the third pull, or he's talking about this... Uh, uh, the, 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 the third pull uses that phrase, it's the open the word. That's what you're drawn by, and you're drawn to a feast. Because you're not feeding on a man, you're not feeding on the words of a man. You're feeding on the unfailing body word. You are feeding on the Son of Man, which is Jesus Christ. 
So it's the third pull that draws us to that feast. It's a gathering together. So if we could think of it this way, that the pull is a means of gathering people together. The first pull gathers people together. The second pull gathers people together. But there's certain uh, characteristics to where even in that second pull, it drives some people away. Brother Bram even describes the third pull as prophesying even as a rebuke and a correction to denominations. So there was a part of Brother Branham's ministry under the second pull where it was attractive to some, but then it's also corrective and a rebuke to others. And not everyone is on board with this great healing campaign. Not everyone's on board with how this ministry is unfolding. But yet that's still not the draw. That's still not the attraction for the elect because in that third pull, it's only going to get the rainbow trout. It's going to gather those together. As it says in Matthew chapter 24, verses 27 to 28, For as the lightning cometh out of the east and shineth even unto the west, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For wheresoever the carcass is, that's your third pull, wheresoever the carcass is, there will the eagles be gathered together. Now, if you could just imagine a carcass, imagine a fresh one just for uh, a stomach's sake, a fresh carcass laying there, a fresh kill, a really nice carcass laying there. And it's not that you have a bunch of eagles gathered together and then all of a sudden, thump, a carcass lands there and they're all like, you know, and and they're all all of a sudden the, the tension is drawn to this carcass that lands next to them. But no, there's a carcass and eagles from everywhere begin to gather to that carcass. And I, and I can recall, I remember being in South Africa at Maholoholo, and Brother Brian Jones took a, a slab of elephant and just threw it out there, uh, some kind of carcass, and just threw it out in the field. And he said, now just watch and look up. And you're like, you're just looking into the sky. And this thing says there, not very long, and all of a sudden you see a dot appear. And then another dot. And you're talking about way up there. And then several dots. And then it almost begins a little, a little bit eerie because these dots start circling. And as it starts funneling down, you see more dots appear. And before you know it, dozens of vultures are descending out of the middle of nowhere. You couldn't see them anywhere. But they were up there. And all of a sudden, the scent of this carcass draws them from wherever they were. And they start cycling down. And before you know it, the, the place is full. And you can't even recognize the carcass because all the vultures have gathered on it and are eating it. And even in one place in the scripture, it's rendered in a translation, renders it there where the vultures be gathered together. Now, we're not trying to make ourselves out to be vultures or crows or whatever. We're taking it from what the meaning is intended here, that there was something that drew those birds out of the sky to that car, to that place to feast. It wasn't like, well, it's going to be there. No, they were drawn by it once it was there. That's what's meant by the scripture where the carcass is. It draws eagles from everywhere to feed on that. Where the carcass is, there will eagles be gathered together. This is the same prophecy of Luke 17.30 where it says the Son of Man will be revealed. It's referred to here as the coming of the Son of Man. That's what draws eagles together. The eagles aren't drawn to the conditions of the days of Lot. The eagles aren't drawn to the conditions of the days of Noah. And they're not necessarily drawn by you pointing out, hey, it's just like it was in the days of Noah. They're not necessarily drawn by you just pointing out, hey, it looks like it just was when the days of Sodom and Gomorrah. They're drawn by the revelation of the Son of Man in the context of those very circumstances. And so, Brother Branham, in what is the attraction on the mount? He says, and notice the phrase, what is the attraction? And when he's preaching that sermon, he's talking about a big ruckus and, and something taking place. And what, what drew all those people that day to worship the Messiah as he entered in Jerusalem? It was prophecy being fulfilled. 
What does he say? The attraction is now. It's changed from the prophet to his prophecy. Now Christ is the attraction. What is the attraction? What is all this noise about? God confirming his promised word of Revelations 10, 1 to 7. That's what the attraction is. The attraction isn't the great healing campaigns in Brother Branham's ministry. It's not the great signs and wonders that even follow the message. It is the opening of the word. So he says at the very beginning of that message, so I've got my mind set on this message. I've got my mind set on this message. I don't even know what time it is anymore. Not only do not know what day it is, we don't know what time it is. Our watches don't work. Got to learn how to tell time all over again. Uh, I, I think I started at, um, oh, I don't know when I started, so we'll just keep going. So he says, I've got my mind set on this message. I've got my mind set on this message. That's the third pull. When he says this message, uh, you could say the third pull is the message or the message is the third tug. The message is that draw. The message isn't miracles, signs and wonders, charismatic services, great, uh, great orchestrations within our choirs and great musicians and prayer lines and all those things. That's not the ultimate. That's not the message. Those are things. There's even an order to it. You could say that there's ways that people's attention is gained. And then, and then they're brought into the message or they're brought to repentance. They're brought to Christ. And there's ways that you could come to it. But Christ is the draw. Christ is what hooks us. And then there's a power that follows this message. And it manifests itself in gifts operating, signs and wonders and healings and, and salvation and, and prayer lines and all sorts of dynamic things that take place. But what we're drawn to ultimately, what attracts us, is Christ. That's our draw. If we just want charismatic services, then some of us would be better going to the charismatic Pentecostals or going to UPC because watch the UPCs. They have church. I used to think that UPCs, like you could always recognize them because they were the ones with a sense of modesty that just looked sad. But I was wrong. My, they have church and they have a movement and they have uh, and they're, they're told to be seated more than the thunders crowd ever was uh, because and they're drawn to that and they enjoy it and they're excited about it. But what our excitement is something different. He says, I've got my mind set on this message. That's that third pull. That is the one I must be loyal and reverent to. It's the one I must be loyal and reverent to. He must be loyal to the message. He must be reverent to the message. He must be reverent to that third pull. The message is that third draw. That's what I've got to be loyal to. That's what I've got to be reverent to. Because that's going to be the one that really catches the prized fish. That's the one that's really going to catch the bride's attention. As long as I work in, in evangelism and signs and wonders and prayer lines and healings and miracles, I can pack the arenas full. But it's that third pull that's going to get the people I want and work upon the bride to produce what God intends to produce in this hour. Heal, prayer lines will heal us over and over and over again. That is the word of God. Lay hands on the sick. They shall recover. If you're sick and you believe the word of God, you can call for the elders. You can anoint with oil and God will meet you time and time and time again and heal you. We could call a prayer line and souls can be saved. People delivered from depression, delivered from eating disorders, cancers fall off because that's the word. That's the power of God. But that's not going to be what changes your body. What's going to change your body is this third pull. And what those instances of healing should be expressing to you is the same God that meets his word to heal my body is the same God that's in this revealed word to change my body and it's a type or foreshadow of the resurrection and he says i got to be loyal to this message that's what i've got to be reverent to 
And he tells this in paragraph 133. That was paragraph 27. Now, later on in the message, he's telling the story of this third pool and even how he was there in Sabina Canyon. And, he, and the sword came into his hand and the voice came and said, not a king's sword, because he's there praying. His hands are up and the sword comes in. And he goes, oh, it's a sword. It's a king's sword. It's like something he knights somebody with. And he's quickly corrected. No, it's not a king's sword, but the king's sword. The word of the Lord. That's what that sword represented. The word of the Lord. Now the sword has been placed in the prophet's hand. He has the word of the Lord. And now he's going to use this word to what? To commission or tonight or to bring the bride to her placing and her calling in this last day. The king's sword comes to his hand. The king's sword, the word of the Lord. And now it says, fear not. It's only the third pull. And that makes sense. Well, it's only the third pull. If you're going to be an only, this is the only you want. It's only the third pull. It's the vindication of your ministry. So as much as these other signs and wonders and miracles and great campaigns and movements were vindication and were a draw or a sign, he says the third pull is actually the vindication of what authenticates his ministry and what validates his ministry. It's the third pull that does it. Now, there's a paradox here. I'll just express it this way. First pull is very visible. Second pull is very visible. And, 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 but that's not the vindication. The third pull, which is a secret and not a public show, that's what vindicates him. So the very thing that vindicates Brother Brandon's ministry, the public doesn't know about it. So why would we ever try to use websites and, and, and even apologetics to a certain extent to ever try to convince people uh, about the vindication of Brother Brown's ministry when the actual vindication of it is not a public show, it's a secret, and it can't be explained? But he says it is the vindication of your ministry. Now, I, I want to throw this in there. Remember what validated John the Baptist. Remember what authenticated John the Baptist. And now the, the angel Lord is saying, this is the king's sword. It is the word of the Lord. Don't be afraid of it. It is the vindication of your ministry. It is, and he says, this is what I've got to be loyal to. This is the message. Why? Because the message is the carcass that draws eagles together. To sustain them, to give them the meat they have, to soar above all the denominations, to soar above all the things of this world, to soar above uh, and to the heavenlies for a meeting in the air ultimately. So in the message of the rapture, Brother Brown says a message, the shout is a messenger getting the people ready. He says it's getting the bride, so it's grabbing their attention, getting the bride together. He says in paragraph 154, the first thing that comes forth is his message. Not Brother Brown's message, his message, Christ, his message, calling the bride together. Because what is the third pull? It is a gathering together for a feast. It is compelling. It is drawing where the carcass is. There will the eagles be gathered together. It's his message, which is what Brother Brown has to be loyal to, getting the bride together. Uh, Paragraph 164, therefore the message calls the bride together, the shout. That comes from 1 Thessalonians 4.16. The Lord himself shall descend with a shout. I'd like to say it this way. The Lord himself is the shout. He is, Brother Brown said, the living bread of life bringing forth the bride. If you didn't have a present bridegroom, you don't have a present bride. If you don't have the revelation of Jesus Christ, we still have organizations. We still have moves. We still have denominations. We still have a Laodicean age in the same cycle of revival and death. But now at the opening of the word, something new begins. And now it's a calling a bride out under Revelations 18.4. It's calling her to a different feast. She's going up and she's going uh, higher and higher. 
fire. Laodicea is descending into chaos, going into darkness. And the bride is walking unto a perfect day. Why? Because the living bread of life has brought forth the bride. The Lord himself is the shout. The Lord himself is the attraction. That's what the attraction is. In the seventh seal, Brother Branham says this. Paragraph 291, he says, I was standing with a little baby shoe when he told me there, make your first pull. And when you do, the first will run after the fish will run after the lure. So that's the concept of a pull. It is a lure. It is a draw. He says, then watch your second pull because there'll only be small fish. He said, then and I want you to catch this language, then the third pull will get it. The first pool will get fish after it. Second pool will be smaller fish. But he says, then the third pool will get it. It's the draw. It's the traction. It's what gathers. And he's using that language now in the seventh seal. And, and, he's, and he's connecting. You have to. If you want to begin to, if you want to start to really get into the deep or the, the, the opening of this third pool, just listen to the seventh seal, listen to the original one, and, and just start to digest it. Brother Bram taking, and I'll read it here in a moment, he's taking the third pool, and he's saying, here it is, it's revealed in the seventh seal. That doesn't mean it's all summed up, tidied up, and it's all over, and just go back and study that. But now, the third pool is officially on. It's arrived, it's now unfolding. But he says, it's the third pool that will get it. It's the third pool that brings the eagles together, gathers the bride together. In the unfailing words of promise in January of 1964, he says, How many of you remember that I told you that the angel Lord and that pillar of fire that met me up there told me if I'd be sincere, it would come to pass that I would know the very secret of the heart. How many remembers that? And it would be that way. Now, how many remembers that he promised that it would continue on? And not long ago, for a vision, he promised that pull of that line, said you can't teach Pentecostal babies supernatural things. And remember this phrase, you can't teach Pentecostal babies supernatural things. And when I made the third pull, now there is a paradox in this statement because there's a point in time where people don't want Pentecostal babies around. And it's a negative. They don't want those tongue-talking Pentecostal babies around. And so there's those on one side who will criticize and make fun of the Pentecostal babies. But babies are meant to grow. They're not to stay that way as a baby. We're telling Jack that he's not growing up. He's staying the same size because we want him just to stay that way. But he's going to grow up. If you feed him and nurture and take care of him like you ought to, you no longer are a babe. You grow up. And so there's people who are critical of Pentecostal babies. And Brother Branham calls them out very quickly in Shreveport. He calls them out in Visible Union. He calls them out for you don't want none of them tongue-talking Pentecostal babies. But now there's another group that wants to stay a baby. There's another group that wants the, the, they only want the tongue talk and they only want that Pentecostal side. But now there's an order to things. And Brother Branham says, this voice says, you can't teach Pentecostal babies supernatural things. And when I made the third police said, now don't tell nobody this. But you can't teach Pentecostal babies supernatural things. Don't tell nobody this. You've been trying to explain that other. Don't tell nobody about this. Listen, this is the great and final pull. You hear how he said that? This gives, this gives the meaning of what a pull is. He says, you remember I made the third pull. Now it says, this is the great and final pull. When you say it that way, it helps you to think about what the pull is. You could have just said the third pull is the great and final pull. Or you could say it this way, the third pull is the last pull. Put another way, this is the last message. 
This is the final attraction. There is not another attraction. There is not another message. There is not another turn. There is not another draw. There is not another man, even if he had the same last name, that is going to rise up and attract the bride and everyone be gathered to. It is That is not the attraction. That is not the draw. There will not be another one. This is the great and final pull. The third pull is the third one in a succession of first, second, and third. But it is also the last pull. There is not another attraction. There is not another draw. There's not another prophet. There's not another ministry. There's not another campaign. And, and this is where it has the finality to it. And this is how it becomes a message to the eternally lost. Because it's not as if when things go into chaos, God's going to send something again to rescue you from it. If you leave this and go into darkness, you're going to have to come back to this. You can't wander around out there until another turn, another evolution. Well, I don't really like the way the message is moving. I think it's the truth, but I'm not happy with the direction it's going. So I'm going to take a step back and look for another move or another turn or another evolution or something that takes the message further, kind of cleans it up and, and, and makes it a little bit more pleasing. That's not going to happen. This is the last and great pull. This is the last message. This is the final attraction. If you're attracted to somebody else, it begs the question whether you're a rainbow trout or not. Because there's nothing else to catch the bride's attention. No other catch, no other hook, no other draw. This is it. Brother Branham, is this the sign of the end, sir? He says, is it time? Is the mystery all finished? Has the sounding all over? Is that really them seven thunders fixing to utter something that the little group that is gathered together will receive a rapturing faith? He's got all the pieces there, even as he's asking the question. Something's going to be uttered that's going to gather a group together for rapturing faith. That's the third pull. He's asking the question, could this be it? And that's exactly what it was. It was the revealing of those seven thunders, which was uttered out. A revelation is given, and it gathers that little group together to receive rapture and faith. That's exactly what's happened to you. You've actually walked in Revelations chapter 10. You had an angel tell you, go to him who has the book and say, take it. And you just did what he said. You went to the angel who had the book, and you said, give me the little book. And then the third pull opens up, because now he says, take it and eat it up. It's not something that's necessarily stated openly when you're told to go get it, but it's something that happens in that, in that secret meeting with him where he says, take it. And not only just take it, eat it. Eat it up. That's only going to happen if you've been brought together with Christ. Something's fixing to be uttered. He says this, if this is the third pull, is this the sign of the end, sir? If this is the third pull, then there's a great ministry lying ahead. If this is the third pull, then it's a great ministry lying ahead. Because that's what the third pull was. It was a great ministry. But what did he begin to caution us? And God hiding himself in simplicity, then revealing himself in the same. Remember, if you're hot, you're tired, you want to leave, just amen louder with more intensity, greater frequency. He says, remember, friend, don't look for great big. You say, God speaks of great big things. There'll come a time, there'll be this, that, or the other, great big things. He says, I hope you're catching what I'm talking about, great big things. Oh, when this comes to pass, it'll be great big like this. And it'll be so humble, you'll miss the whole thing and just go right on. You'll look back and say, well, that never did come. Passed right over the top of it, and you never seen it. It's so simple. God lives in simplicity to manifest himself in greatness. It won't be a public show. It's going to be a secret. You can't explain it. It's going to be in a little room, not a great big cathedral. Here's a great big tent. Shouldn't this be on the platform? Shouldn't this be for everyone? Shouldn't the reporters be able to see it for themselves? No, I'll meet you there. It will not be a public show. 
You look right over the top of it. You're looking for something big and it's right by you and it happens. He says, there's going to be a great ministry lying ahead. Brother Branham talking about maybe I'm building a platform. Everything Brother Branham said happened exactly the way that he said it would. But it's not always even the way that he perhaps expected it. Even as he's preaching question and answers on the seals and coming to preach the seventh seal. He says, my, you think something like this would be revealed to the Vatican. Why? Because it's that great and that tremendous. Don't you think that the climax of the ministry of Jesus Christ, taking it from his birth in a manger, even to his death, burial, and resurrection, his continued appearance with the disciples after his resurrection, now he's seen of many. Don't you think that that ministry would climax with thousands gathered in the place that he told them to be? I mean, don't you think the climax of the ministry of Jesus Christ is that there would be 120,000 people gathered in the largest Colosseum that they could find in the Middle East for the promise that was to come? And there was only 120. The very climax of the ministry of Jesus Christ was 120 gathered in an upper room. And then as the church is birthed and it's initiated, there's a different unfolding that begins to take place. But the same thing happens in the very climax of Brother Branham's ministry where we are all gathered to a present Jesus Christ. And it's not 120,000. It's small gatherings of 120. Because it's so simple. But this great ministry is saying, well, it's going to be what attracts the elected. It's what catches the bride. But it's only going to be great in her eyes. Because it's unexplainable. Don't, you don't waste your time asking Sister Elizabeth why in the world she married me. There's just no explanation to it. Now, I could give you plenty of explanations that you would agree with why I married her. But there's some attractions you just can't explain. Why would a, a beautiful, God-fearing, sincere, sweet girl marry a, a, a harsh, cruel, and sensitive man like that? And it doesn't make any sense. But it's the third pool. I don't know who got the rainbow trout. I feel like I won that. I got the catch. It's unexplainable. So in the invisible unit of the bride of Christ, Brother Bram says the spiritual bride, when she begins to have a revival, when she begins to come back and line herself up with the word of God. Do you know what the bride's revival is? It's not 30 consecutive nights of prayer lines. It's not 120 days of speaking in tongues. It's not falling out. It's not great magnificent choirs. It's not syncopation in our music. It's not a certain rhythm. It's not a certain beat. It's not a manner of worship. The bride's revival is when she begins to line up with the word of God. That's your revival. Anytime you line up with the word of God, there's a revival in your home. Anytime you line up with the word of God, there's revival in your life. Anytime the church lines up with the word of God, the church is having a revival. Go tell people, we're having a revival at Hickory Bible Tabernacle. Oh, what nights? What time? Uh, you have an evangelist and you have a prayer lines. You're doing this, you're doing that. Are you having singing? Is there shouting? Is there dancing? No, no, no. We're lining up with the Word of God. Because that's the bride's revival. He says, watch then again, you see, how that the Scriptures at that time, there'll be a message sweep out to catch that bride, catch that woman elect. So there's a message that goes out to catch that bride. What is the message that catches that bride? It is the opening of the Word. It is Christ. It's the revealing of the seven seals. It's the seventh seal opening up. It's all those things, the revelation of the Son of Man. It is the third pull. That's the message. That's the third pull that Brother Brown had to be loyal and reverent to. It's a message that swept out to catch the bride. Paragraph 202, remember, what time is it, sir? How many ever heard it? Say amen. What was it? Exactly right. He says, was it exactly right? Then we've got the revelation in this last days for the message of the Lord God to gather his bride together. Because that's what a pool does. It compels, it gathers, it draws. The first seal, Brother Bram says, through those seven seals, seven seals, 
through the seven thunders will be revealed in the last days in order to get the bride together for rapturing faith. Seven thunders will be revealed in the last days in order to get the bride together. What gathers the bride? The revelation of the seven seals. When we get together, what does it produce? Rapturing faith. It says in the third seal, the bride hasn't had a revival yet. He says we've had denomination revivals. We've had all this. He says the bride hasn't had a revival yet. There's been no revival there for the bride. He says no manifestation of God to stir the bride yet. So what does it take to stir the bride? It's not first pull, second pull. The things that stirred, stirs denominations and stirs the non-elect isn't the same thing that stirs the bride alone. He says it takes the manifestation of God to stir the bride. He says we're looking for it. It'll take those seven unknown thunders back there to wake her up again. He will send it. And it's happened. It's happened. Those seven unknown thunders have been revealed. It's been revealed to us personally. And that's what has been the manifestation of God to wake the bride for her revival. There many churches, churches, brides, brides, but there must come one. There must come a real bride. So there had to come a real message of Christ to bring forth that real bride. So the final attraction is the message revealing Jesus Christ. It's the understanding of something utter. He says fixing to utter out something, a great ministry lying ahead, a message to catch, sweep out and catch that bride. And he says this and look away to Jesus. He said the third pool is properly identified. We know where it is. So the third pool is here. You've got to come to look away to Jesus. You've got to come to, there's a man here to turn on the light at the end of 63 to realize there has come to a place where now Brother Branham knows the third pool is on. It's here. It's not future. It's not way down the road. It's not airplanes and tents and setting up chairs. It's here. The third pool is properly identified. We know where it is. So the third pool is here. It's so sacred that I mustn't say much about it. And he told me in the beginning, said this, say nothing of it. You remember that years ago? Notice it speaks for itself. So the third pool, he's already said it's something that's uttered. It's the revelation of a mystery. It's the message sweeping out. But now he says the third pool speaks for itself. So the third pool has to be something spoken. It has to be something that's being preached. It has to be a ministry. It's not something we go and point to something on the ground, something written in stone, something over here. It's not even just something that would be memorialized in a, in a location. It's something that speaks for itself. He says, I've tried to explain the others and I made a mistake. This will be the thing that, to my opinion, I don't say the Lord tells me this. This will be the thing that will start the rapturing faith for the going away. What will? The third pool. What will? The third pool speaking for itself is going to be what's going to start the rapturing faith for the going away. Brother Bram says that he just speaks and the rapture will come. So he's saying this is, this is the third pool is a ministry. It's a message. It's the uttering of a mystery. It's something declared and spoken out. He says it speaks for itself. So just a couple weeks later, he says, the first time I said about the third pool, how it come by this one way, then by knowing the heart and then the spoken word. He said, first pull healing, second pull prophesying, third pull is the opening of those mysteries, the opening of the word. He said, how the third pull came, first time, it'd be this way. The second, knowing of the heart. And then the third pull, he says, is the spoken word. Now, I think sometimes we're just too quick to go back to the five temporary manifestations of the third pull. And we think that the third pull is an instance of speaking the word. But the third pull is 
the spoken word. It's not just an instance of the word being spoken, but it's the original spoken word seed being brought back to the bride so that she can bring it back into full manifestation again. The third pool isn't an instance of speaking to the wind. It's not an instance of creating squirrels. It's not an instance of giving a fish its life back. It's not an instance of giving salvation to two boys. It's not an instance of speaking the word to a tumor. But the third pool is the word being spoken. It is the spoken word. It is not divine healing alone. It is not physical miracles. It is the word and the word only. And whatever the word wants to do with itself. Whatever's in the word. You say, well, does that mean we don't speak in tongues? Uh, I'm sorry. Just show me where he took it out. Does that mean we don't lay hands on the sick? I'm sorry. Just show me where he took it out. And that's where a lot of people went with it. They took the third pull, even the word only, and they made it into something that's not. Oh, well, now that he's here, now that the gift givers is here, you know, I had a man, a pastor, tell me one time, he said, you know, now that the gift giver's here, he says, you don't, you don't need the gifts. You've got the giver. He said, like when I gave my wife all those, all these gifts and then I married her, she had me now. She didn't need the gifts. She needed me. And I said, well, I didn't notice that she threw away that really nice engagement ring. That's what I'm thinking. I, yeah, why didn't just let me have that ring? I could be able to do something with it. I met a girl in Michigan. She did really, really good on her finger. And, and so there's a lot of misinterpretations, a lot of things. And, and listen, there's a lot of criticism that's attached to these things that I'm preaching to you today. Oh, these are just, uh, it's just a word only this and it's easy believism, that or whatever. Listen, don't attach all the square scarecrows to this. And all the square dancers or whatever I was going to say, don't attach it to this. What I'm trying to lift up to you is not the filter that people will say, well, because it's Aaron McGeary, associate this with it and associate this person and this guy out in Colorado and associate this minister that he was under and try to associate all these scarecrows with it. Leave me out of it. I'm just telling you what the message is, what Brother Branham said. This has nothing to do with me. It has nothing to do with my ministry, nothing to do with my personality, nothing to do with my ambition. It has everything to do with the need that it's in your heart and the fact that I stand between you and, and, and the Lord to deliver this in a service like this. It is the Lord Jesus in Christ, Christ himself, trying to make himself known to you by being introduced to a prophet's message. That's what I'm pointing to. He's telling it in the seventh seal. He's telling it that, that the king's sword, which is the word, he says. I think it's it's uh, it's twelve twenty. I mean, we're, we're on schedule. We're usually outside about this time. Right, a regular Sunday. We'd, isn't this where we'd all be coming up right about this time? We'd be under the shelter on a hot day like this? You know, don't worry. We haven't been able to go into the fellowship hall for what, how many months? I mean, they, the, hopefully those floors are cured by now. You know, there's, you remember the time when they were working on the playground and we couldn't, we couldn't play on it? It's like old time, saints. It's that old time Holy Spirit. Give me that old time religion. It's old Hickory Bible Tabernacle today. And it's just like old times. Church has been dismissed. We've just gathered in the shelter. Brother Barry's peering out over the rose bush. What's Brother Aaron doing? It's like they're having another church service over there. The voice came and said, this is in the tent vision, the, the third pool vision. This great vision that unfolded there. You can't teach Pentecostal babies supernatural things. Remember the language. And let, now let them alone. And then he picked me up and he took me up way and set me way up high. And there was a meeting going on. I'll just skip now. He's telling about the little uh, room and everything. He says, I'll meet you there. This will be the third pool, and you won't tell it to nobody. And in Sabina Cannon, Brother Adam intentionally does this. And in Sabina Cannon, he said, this is the third pool. 
Brother Branham is being intentional. He wants us to think about the vision as given there before 1956. And he says, this will be the third pool. He wants to use that language that then he says, future prophesying, this will be the third pool. But now today and even then in March of 1963, as the seventh seal is being preached, he wants us to think differently about the third pool. He's saying, then it was, will be, now it is. So he says, then it was this, it will be the third pool. Now he says, this is the third pool. There's three great things that go with it. One unfolded yesterday. The other one unfolded today. There's one thing I cannot interpret because it's in an unknown language. Isn't that convenient? What? Because you, it, the third pool can't be interpreted. It's not to be explained. It's not to be a public show. But I was standing here and looked right straight at it, and this is the third pool coming up. And the Holy Spirit of God, oh my, that's the reason all heaven was silent. Paragraph 322. Now notice, so help me, so he says, now notice, so help me God. By God, I tell the truth, these, are, these things are spiritually discerned to me, discerned by the Holy Spirit, and by every one of them has identified his place in the Bible. Now what this great secret is that lays beneath this seal, I do not know. I do not know it. I couldn't make it out. I couldn't tell it just what it is and just what it said, but I know that it was them seven thunders uttering themselves right close together. Now, we're still not waiting for those to be revealed. Just banging seven different times and unfolding to something else that I'd seen. Then when I seen that, I looked for the interpretation. So there's an interpretation of it that flew across there, and I couldn't make it out. That's exactly right, friend. The hour isn't quite yet for it, but it's moving into that cycle. And it did. Very quickly moved into that cycle. It's coming up close. So the thing for you to do is remember that I speak to you in the name of the Lord. So he's talking about an interpretation. And the interpretation is in the unfolding. There's an uttering. But the interpretation is in the fulfilling. There's an uttering. There's a mystery. But the interpretation is when it's brought to pass. When it's made known. So let me say this as I try to close. And listen, I told you in the beginning that when you want to be dismissed, say amen. Say it loudly loudly and frequently. You're, you're all still listening and just listening intently. So as far as I know, you're happy for me to continue. Let me say this, and I had to bring this to a close, and I want to close there in 1 Corinthians 13. That which is perfect has come. The message is not incomplete. We haven't been left with an incomplete pull. We haven't been left with six seals. We haven't been left with an incomplete revelation. We haven't been left with this great dynamic ministry that came and left the earth in an untimely fashion. And now we're all just kind of working with something that's incomplete, waiting for something to be added to it. The message is complete. There's a lot of ministries and men and people, families of churches that stay in this and they even get into these very things and they don't have the discipline and the stamina and the courage to stay with it. And they get discouraged like, ah, well, maybe we should go back to try this. Maybe we should go back to trying that. Maybe we should try to do this and try. And they go back to things in the past that they had been brought out of and they're not staying in the cycle of the unfolding. Stick with it. Stay steady. It might not seem like much, but stay with the word. It is perfect and it is complete for all seven seals are open the full word's been born in a manifestation just look up in the in the, in the message hub mobile look up in that app. fullness and just read all the places about fullness 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 that's what this message is it is the fullness we're, we're, we're actually not waiting on something to happen out there what's transpiring is happening in here and your little room, in your secret place, a new body is going to be formed around that third pull word, which is in the heart of the bride. So Brother Branham, in question and answers part two, 
He refers to 1 Corinthians 13. When that which is perfect has come, that which is in part shall be done away with. Because remember, you can't teach Pentecostal babies supernatural things and he comes to the third pool. And he, says, and he says, just leave them alone. So now there's a transitioning. So all these little things of jumping up and down like a kid, trying to talk in tongues and all these other things, when that which is perfect. And we do have today, by God's help, the perfect interpretation of the word. What's the third pull? It is the word. What do we have today? The perfect interpretation. What was Brother Branham looking for in the seventh seal? The interpretation of it. And we do have the perfect interpretation of the word with divine vindication. Then that which is perf- part is done away with. When I was a child, I spake as a child. I understood as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. Now, what you don't put away is the child, the person. You put away childish things. And there's an understanding that when that which is part, when that which is perfect has come, then that which is part is done away with. It's not that the part is disregarded and cast aside and no longer useful, but the part is placed within the whole and now it's fully functional. Now the part makes sense. Now could you imagine that when the, when that, when the puzzle is done, then all the parts are done away with? Then you wouldn't have a puzzle. But when the last piece is placed, then everything that was in part has found its place within the whole, and it all makes sense. It's perfectly interpreted. And now the part has meaning in connection with the whole thing connected together. And that's what meant, is meant by that which is part is done away with. It's assumed and made a part of the whole, and that's what makes it perfect. That's when that which is perfect has come. It needs the parts to be perfect. And so now, listen, we're not even just worshiping in a capstone. If the capstone haven't been united with the body, that's what makes it perfect. Even though that capstone in itself would be a perfect triangle, it only makes sense in the whole connected to the whole. So he says, Paul said, though I speak with tongues of men and angels, though I give my body to be burned as a sacrifice, though I understand all the mysteries of the word, though I give all the goods to the poor, though all these things and all these things and have not charity, I'm still nothing. I can have faith to move a mountain and so forth. I'm still nothing. Now, these are rhetorical things. It's not necessarily, maybe not even rhetorical. He's just using it to make a point. Not saying you can understand all the mysteries and have not charity. He's just saying it's not in just, quote unquote, understanding all the mysteries. There's a person. There's something else related to it. So then he said, that which is in part will be done away with when that which is perfect has come or when that which is perfect is made known. Brother Ram's words. He says, we do have today the perfect interpretation of the word with divine vindication. That which is perfect has been made known. He says, now I've got a question on that that I hope to get to tonight about what happened when the seals were opened. And I think that will maybe get you right, right to you on this question, which was about speaking in tongues, I think. This is all in the same sermon, so now he's coming, or question answers. Now he comes to the question. Please explain 1 Corinthians 13, 8 to 12. Now that the perfect word is restored to the church, are these verses fulfilled? He says, now, I think I just went through that, didn't I? And I just read to you where he did. We do have today the perfect interpretation of the word by divine, with divine vindication. It's that which is perfect has been made known. He says, <clears throat> I just, I think, uh, he says, I just went through that, didn't I? And when that which is perfect has come, that which is in part shall be done away with. Though I speak with tongue of men and angels, and I do all these things here, but when that which is perfect has come, now is there anything perfect but God? No, sir. Is God the perfect? In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Word is still God. All right. When that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part is done away with. That's it. He's showing us the interpretation has come. Now, do we explain it? Do we interpret it? No, but it's here. 
The third pull is here. It is the spoken word. It had moved into that cycle to reveal whatever that unknown thing was and that unknown part was in that seventh seal. He's saying, we do have the perfect interpretation. We do have the third pull. Brother Matt, if you'd come. And the message, perfect faith. Brother Matt says, this is coming into that third pull. I'm believing it. Still things at that point in August the 20, uh, 25th, 1963. He's still figuring out what kind of, how this ministry will manifest itself. He says, not a faith, but a perfect faith built up in here. And watch a perfect God with a perfect heart keep a perfect promise by his perfect word. That's the third pull. A perfect God uh, keep a perfect promise by his perfect word. He says, we're coming now to the perfection. What did he say the third pull was? It's perfection. Threes. God's perfected in three. First pull, second pull, third pull. He says, we're coming now to the perfection. He just said, this is coming into that third pull. I think you could say, we're coming now into the third pull. Because the people has to come to this in order for the rapture. What's already been pointed out two hours ago or however long I've been preaching. The third pull is the gathering the people together for the rapture. So the people have to come to this. To what? To Brother Brown's meetings? No. To a prayer line? No. To the third pull, the word for the rapture. He said that's what's holding it away right now is waiting for that church to come into that perfect raptured faith. I say let's have a fresh vision as we go forward to find the rainbow trout and get them to this third pull. Not just to a, a church service, not just to a church picnic, not just to a youth function and to our adventures in the Bible or to a family thing, but have a real earnest, sincere, deep desire in our heart to see that we get that last seed to come into that perfect, raptured faith. It can only come by the third pull. Why? Because it's the spoken word. It's something being uttered. It speaks for itself. It's the interpretation of the word with divine vindication. In Romans 10, 17, so then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Perfect faith comes by hearing and hearing the perfect word of God. It's, a, it's not part. It's not partial. Faith cometh by hearing. You could preach a sermon to someone who's not seed on divine healing and it will produce enough faith in that person's heart to be healed, to be divinely healed. Why? They had faith in that part. But now perfect faith is coming by a perfect word. That's the time that we're living in. Brother Bram says, look away to Jesus. There's no more doubt in my mind. I know what the third pull is. And I know what it does. Now, I want to put it in this context. We know what the third pull is. It's the word. And we know what it does. It attracts the bride for a rapture. He says, now be reverent. Just be quiet. The hour will soon arrive where God is going to do some great things for us. Hadn't he done great things for us? Amen. The hours arrive, saints. He's done great things for us. Let's stand. This is... The third pull. The hours arrive. Maybe we could sing in the key of G. I feel the pull. Amen. I believe Brother Paul was writing about this pull. I feel the pull. I hear the call. That's it. That's what this third pull is. It's a draw. The spirit moving you. It's the entirety of the life manifesting itself. Let's just bow our heads in a word of prayer. I know that you've been very patient with me today. And it's 12.30. Going at least, uh, uh, who knows, maybe I've been going two hours now or an hour and a half at least. 
But as you, as you bow your heads, I'd like to offer prayer for you. And the, the, the very, uh, this glow of his presence, the sweetness you feel in your hearts, the clarity. Uh, there's some right now in your hearts you're thinking, I, 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 the, the clarity that I have, the cleanness, the, the unencumberedness, the liberty I'm feeling right now. Could you just right now, with that kind of freshness in your heart, experiencing that kind of liberty, could you just claim something in the presence of God, something that you have need of? Whatever it might be, Lord, right now I'm claiming healing for my body. Right now I'm claiming it for my husband who's discouraged with circumstances. I'm just with this liberty I have in my heart right now in the, in the presence of the King. With, with the, the words of the third pull being uttered and knowing what this is right now, taking my place, Lord, I'm claiming your promises. With our heads bowed, whatever it is you asked in your heart, could you just go before the Lord and claim it? Our gracious Heavenly Father, as we close the service with this word of prayer, we could even, Lord, I'll just make it my dismissal prayer. Before we worship, Father, I pray that these things that have been expressed and lifted up to the people today could so resonate within their hearts personally. Lord, there's different images that are drawn within the message of mountain peaks, fishing, tent meetings, and all those things. But the real truth, Lord, is it's the message for me. And may your daughters hear that today. May your sons feel that today. May they realize it's the message for them. It was the draw. It was the attraction for them. Lord, we spend a lot of time talking about creating squirrels. We spend a lot of time talking about speaking to storms. We spend a lot of time talking about speaking to tumors and raising fish from the dead and creating squirrels and healing tumors and salvation for our family. Lord, that's all part of it. But we can never come to something like that unless we know what it is and what it does. And it's you, it's the Word. And what it's done is it's drawn me to you. It's drawn me, Lord. It's been a pull, it's been a tug. I'm hooked, Lord. I'm attracted. And I give myself totally to you. Lord, I've been singing that song today. I give my mind completely to you, Lord. We feel the tug, we feel the pull. Grant the desire for the hands that were raised, the sincerity in the heart and the cleanness of mind and the freedom of spirit. Lord, the liberty that they had with no doubt being present. I right now join my faith together with theirs and I claim that physical healing. I claim that deliverance. I claim that possession, Lord. And we're standing upon a promise with the bride's faith to believe that in our revival we can have these things that we ask for. And we claim it, Lord. Without hands being laid on or anything, Lord, right now we claim it and believe. That the power of God is present to heal us all. To give us what we have need of. We say, grant it, Lord. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, give us what we have need of. In your name we pray. Amen. I feel the I hear.
this great pull and invitation. I went to hear the word and with each line and
Amen. God bless you. I don't know what the protocol is. Are we, are we just nodding? We're leaving. Get in your cars as soon as you can. Auto start. Get the air conditioner going. Salute one another. Greet one another with a holy air kiss. It's the only time you can do that with a sister, I guess. But God bless you. I don't know what the protocol is. Remember, I'm just here visiting while the pastor's on vacation. Just like old times. God bless you. Let's sing that song, I Have Been Blessed. There's a few verses in it that really, really thrill me in light of what we've been preaching. When he walks among us and all that he does, all of his mercy and all of his love, if the pen of the writer can write every day, even this world could never contain just how I have been blessed. Here's another verse. He sent His Son for us to die on the cross, bearing our sins and redeeming the lost. He sent back His Spirit to those who believe a fountain of life for others to see. Oh, I have been blessed. Sing the chorus with me. Oh, and I have been blessed. God's so good to me. Precious are His thoughts of you and me. No way could I count them. There's not enough time, so I'll just thank Him for love divine, for love divine. Oh, God has been good, oh, so good. I have been blessed. The word of the hour is my daily bread. Oh, the word of the hour is my daily bread. It's always unfolding. It's always unfolding. I'm continually fed. It's my light and salvation. My light and salvation. Whom shall I fear? The strength of my life. When my enemies draw near. Oh, I have been blessed. I want to sing the fourth verse. He's the rock that I stand on. He's the rock that I stand on in a troublesome day. In His presence He hides me. In His presence He hides me. He shows me His way. The Word in its fullness in you and me. He's not just a song. He's a reality. been blessed. God bless you as you go. We have been blessed. Oh, and we have been blessed. God's so good to me. Oh, precious are His thoughts of you and me. Oh, no way could I count them. There's not enough time. So I'll just thank Him for His
sing it again. I have been blessed. Oh. 